Generally Speaking About the Church, podcast episode number 77. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the About the Church podcast. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. My name is DG Hollins. And we are back after weeks off. Yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's mainly me. Where have you been, man? I've been, if I haven't been sick, I've been, I don't know what all I've been doing, dude. It's just, my life's been up in the air. Today, we are going to spend the entire episode just praying over DG, man. <laughs> he he is so overwhelmed uh, that, I mean, I'm telling you, man, it's like, I it, it is a beautiful, sunny day outside. There, is. There's not a single cloud in the sky. I mean, it is, it is just blue. And, and Daniel comes in the house, and I'm telling you, I saw like a big, huge black storm cloud following him to the door. Oh, you mean me? Yeah. Not Daniel. Or not Daniel. I'm sorry. We were talking about <laughs> all the Daniels in the chat room today. <laughs> I mean, I meant, I was like, I meant really? DG. What? Who? Daniel? So, yeah. Where's he at? No, anyway, dude, what, what's going on? Why, 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 what, why are you so overwhelmed? Do you, now you do, obviously don't want to share the whole details of everything. I, but, I can't, I don't care. It's all just, right, sh- sh- <laughs> give us some dirty laundry. <laughs> Tell us all. Well, I mean, I, I got that virus, whatever that one virus was. I mean, that knocked me out for like a week. Not the was, swine flu. No, it was definitely not the swine flu. Good. I was like, <laughs> dude, what you doing in my studio? <laughs> No, I actually went to the doctor and he said, you don't have the swine flu. Tell everybody else to shut up. Nice. <laughs> and I was like, thank you, because that is really annoying when you cough one time and everyone's like, swine flu. Swine flu. They're like whispering amongst themselves. You stream so choppy on my end. Sorry. Yeah, sorry about that. It, it, he's at a, a Wi-Fi connection hotspot somewhere. Oh, okay. Good. Anyway. Uh, so anyway, I uh, basically, I was sick there for a little bit. Um we found out that the senior pastor at my church is moving. So he's being, and that's, that's normal in the Methodist church. We, we are itinerant. So we move every so many often, uh, but this so is huge. Years. I mean, this is like the, I mean, in your life, this is huge. Explain people why that's huge, because I, I think that's important for folks to know. Well, I'm doing something so unique and so different within the United Methodist church, uh, with the waters that, um, it really does kind of depend on, and, and we're, we are a, um, we are, we are a, uh, how am I trying to say a, a relationship between the annual conference and a local church and the local church is Florence United Methodist church. And so it really does depend on whoever the senior pastor at Florence to get it. I mean, this person, he or she has got to understand the waters to really be able to either support me and support the ministry or to actually grasp what I'm actually saying is possibly the future of the church in general and uh, which I believe wholeheartedly. And, and so anyway, it's, it's just, it, it means it, you know, people are like the people at the church are like, well, are you moving? And I was like, no, 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 I'm not moving. And they're like, well, is this going to affect you? And I'm like, well, yeah, it's going to affect me. The senior pastor is moving and he's my boss, you know, not necessarily my boss. And well, church. Let, let me ask same, you this. But, so let's, let's get rid of the, cause you, you, well, you already threw the boss out the window and let's get rid of senior pastor for a second. Just sure, the title. Yeah. Has he or has he not been a mentor to you? Uh, it's not. It's not a mentor relationship. No, he really, is a co-minister. To I mean, we are. I consider him to be a brother, not someone that's ahead of me. Okay, and we're both 
it's it's just been really amazing to be able to co-lead to a certain extent. And he allowed me to be who I needed to be for the waters. Okay. While he continued to lead, be a leader. At, at but he, he really helped to enable you and to encourage you and en- enable me just by saying, Hey church, you need to be supporting him. Does that make sense? Okay. It's not like, Hey DJ, give you permission to go do this. No, I'm going to do that stuff anyway. <laughs> I don't have to have your permission for that. Um, as an elder in the Methodist church, there's not, you're, you're not higher than me. All, all, all that's happened is you've put more time in. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. But the cool thing is, is, is here's a guy who is older than I am, who can translate me to older people. Okay. And that has been the most amazing support aspect that I've ever seen in my life. And, and because he translates me to district superintendents, the bishop and to other, into lay people in the church and the conference and stuff like that. And when we go speak at conferences and stuff like that, I mean, the cool thing about us going to speak at conferences is he speaks about the waters and what we're doing from an existing United Methodist church pastor. And then I, and then I speak from, you know, a young, you know, younger generation kind of guy who's doing this weird, funky church plant thing, mission thing uh, called the waters. And then he can be able to translate when I start using terms that, that no one gets and he starts seeing people's eyes (laughs) glaze over and stuff. So it's just really cool. But when I got there, he hadn't, he had no clue, right? No clue. And so, I would just constantly be shoving books on his desk and say, Hey, let's read this together and let's wrestle with this. Let's, let's really ask questions together. And so it's, you know, that's what has happened over the course of the time is. And so, I mean, I just consider him to be a, just an amazing friend. We are and we're the exact opposites. He is an introvert and I am not. <laughs> if anyone didn't realize that, yeah, <laughs> just FYI, I'm an extrovert. <laughs> Nice, but I mean, he's just—he's just a wonderful, supportive friend, um, and I'm—and it, it's a great move for him if you—if you look at moving as far as like the career ladder, you know what I'm saying? Like he's going to a much larger church, probably get a better salary, blah 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 in Louisville there. But um, explain what the waters is about. Um, we don't really have enough time on this podcast today. I would actually just say go to th the number three and then waters.com. You can get the whole gist of, um, of what the waters is. That's um, T H and the number three, the number three and then waters plural.com. All right. The so. waters. If you're elite speak, I just use the E as the three. Gotcha. I'll put it in the chat room here. Yeah. Uh, but, but that gives you, you know, if you want to read up on it, you're more than welcome to, and we can talk about the waters. I think we have in the past a little bit, but um, we can talk about whatever we want. This is generally speaking about the church. So, we could talk about anything. But anyway, yeah, him, he's just, he's a cool guy. I really do love and appreciate Gary. And um, he's older than me, yes. Um, but, you know, rarely have I gone to him saying, hey, can I have your permission to blah, blah, blah. The only time I do that is when I'm going to go on vacation somewhere or do something like that and just say, because, it, you know, technically I'm still part of the staff of Florence Simon that's church as well. Right. So, but the cool thing is, is, I mean, he's the kind of pastor that just says, hey, go be who you need to be for the kingdom. Right. And that's not very common. I don't think that's very common in a denominational understanding. Yeah. Because I think a lot of older pastors think, oh, wait a second, I was I was put into the mold of the senior pastor that was before me, and now I've got to put you into the mold that I look like. Right. And I bucked that, man. I mean, I bucked it hard. I fought for my title of cultural architect and not associate pastor. I fought for the fact that I did not have to wear a suit every single Sunday. Um, and these are just small little tiny things that that I just said, listen, 
you and I can decide if this is a bridge we're going to burn or not because I don't feel comfortable worshiping in a suit. I just don't. I'm completely out of my element, and I don't feel like I can worship God the way I need to be worshiping God in a suit. I don't feel comfortable at all. And it's not necessarily about this comfort stuff. It's It makes me so uncomfortable that I have a really hard time getting past it. Right. And in, you know, and over the course of two or three months, Gary was just like, it's stupid. I, I'm, I realized that I was forcing him into a mold that is not even going to be effective at reaching his generation, much less my generation. <laughs> and so I just, and I told people that all the time, I'm like, Hey, if you want to see some guy in a suit on Sunday morning, then you look at him. <laughs> Because there are young adults that desire to actually worship God in shorts. And, and I'm, of course, I'm not going to wear shorts on Sunday. I don't do that. Why not? I, I could. And I do. <laughs> I would. But but I just, you know, I feel more comfortable with jeans. That's just me. That's cool. And that's, and that's that's But we have people worshiping in shorts, and no one's getting mad at them because, whoa, what? You know, DG is up there wearing jeans and, a you know, just a jacket with a shirt untucked. <laughs> you know, I can't believe that. But that's the only the only people that are saying I can't believe that are the people that have just this mentality of, you know, you have to dress up. And I'm like, I would much rather focus on my heart dressing up for God than my clothes dressing up for God. Right. <laughs> but anyway, so there's just really amazing. It's got a, we've got a really great relationship. And so it's it's been really hard uh, for that transition time period going on right now at our church. Like this last Sunday, they had a reception for him. And and so with him being an introvert, it's it's not like he's just going to, Hey, let's go get a cup of coffee and we pour our hearts out. To each other, you know. But there, I, I need to, there's still, there's something still in the back of my mind that says, I really just need to write that letter of just writing it down. Just saying, thank you so much for the friendship and the godliness that's between us. I, I really do love you as a brother. So, but, well, um, but anyway, so that's going on. Tiffany and I just went to Dallas Fort Worth uh, to go to Edna Gladney, which is the adoption agency that we're going to be working with. So we went there for all day last Friday on the 15th uh, to basically pay $300 for an application. <laughs> and we've already filled out one application before that, which is just hilarious. But so we're totally stoked and excited about that. Uh, and that's a big thing that's going on in my life right now. And But the application was like um, everything that we need to be filling out, you know, background checks and, and, um, health physicals. And, um, we have to get CPR trained for babies. And it's like, we're going to be, we're literally, they're priming us to be professional parents, professional parents, <laughs> which is true. It's, it's cool. I mean, you know, most parents won't even have even had anything like that, you know, but, um, but it's kind of cool that we're getting to start that whole process. And so we're excited about that, but you know, we just went for that. We literally flew in Thursday, went all day Friday and flew out Saturday. And so we're just so tired. We stayed with my cousin. And then we picked up our, and my aunt on the way back. So my parents and my aunt are actually here. They've been here um, for, since the first of this month, and they're going to probably continue to be here uh, through the end of this month. And then as soon as the end of this month actually happens, Gary leaves. Uh, the 31st is his last Sunday. And then we have annual conference, which is like all the Methodists come together in Northern Kentucky. <laughs> they're actually making it in Northern Kentucky. All the Methodists in the Kentucky conference, I should say in the state of Kentucky, at least three representatives from every single church are coming to, to the Northern Kentucky convention center. So, and I have like decently large roles, um, of responsibility at that. And then I'm preaching that Sunday <laughs> and this stuff, and that's going on from like Wednesday through Saturday. And then I'm preaching and that's like seven in the morning till 9 PM at night, every single day. 
uh, and then I'm preaching the next Sunday. So anyway, wow. I just I just didn't have a lot of stuff going on, and then on top of that, I've got a, a canker sore in my mouth, and it's not it's just annoying, you know. It's, a canker sores are just annoying. They they're frustrating. I'm starting to get a little bit of a sore throat because of drainage and allergies and stuff like that. It's just wow. And I'm leaving. I'm leaving Monday to go to Pittsburgh to go visit my brother's widow's baby. So my brother passed away. It's not his child. She remarried. They named the baby uh, Sinjin. Did I ever tell you this? Yeah. And uh, which is the old English pronunciation of St. John. But, you know, it's just like she named it after my brother, whose name was Jay or John. And I'm just going, it's just a little, just a little weird. <laughs> you know, it's just a little weird. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, we're going to go visit you who used to be my sister-in-law who's remarried and, you know, continued your life. And you got a baby now and we're going to go visit the baby and it's my parents and my aunt and my, you know, me and my wife. And we're like, you know, she never really left our family, but we don't want her to leave her family, but she's a part of a different family now. You know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's cool, but it's different. DJ, DJ, you have one very crazy life, my friend. I do. I need it to be balanced and this would be a great plug for you. Oh, by the way, there you go. No, I, I think most of the people listening to this may already know, but if you don't, no, d- yeah, tell them about it. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, um, effective May first of this year, I decided, um, you know, pursuing a balanced life is something that I have been trying to do for quite some time. Um, in fact, the My Crazy Life podcast, the tagline of that was um, "My Crazy Life: A Daily Journal in My Pursuit of a Balanced Life." So it, it that's kind of been the tagline there for for the longest time. But um, just this this month, I have radically changed my thinking about where I'm going in the future of taking care of myself, my my physical health, uh, my mental health, my spiritual health, um, balancing areas of work and um, family and community and recreation and personal development and all these other areas of my life. Just my life was just spinning out of control, you know, working for myself. I was finding myself sitting here working 10, 14, 15 hour days. And literally there were times when weeks would go by and I don't leave the house except to, you know, maybe go and and have lunch or dinner or some event. Yeah. (laughs) And so, I mean, just working, working and working around the clock with the exception of Sundays. But but still just working all the time. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, this is OK. A lot of people will say, well, that's what's necessary to get a business going. And and there is a lot that I did that absolutely was necessary. But there's a lot of things that I could have done, could have done that would have radically changed so much of the stress levels and and the anxiety over so many different things that I didn't have to deal with. And so um, I decided to take my crazy life and I and I officially after almost 400 episodes, I made the decision to rebrand that podcast mm-hmm. and change the name to Pursuing a Balanced Life because I felt like, you know, this so many. <laughs> Are you reading all their suggestions? Nah. Uh, pursuing a crazy life, <laughs> crazily pursuing a balanced life. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> really funny. So, so I decided to rebrand this thing. And, and the reason why is because so many different people, when I started walking again and when I started to, to share how things are changing in my mind and my thought process, a lot of people were being inspired. And I figured this is a great way. You know, people were asking, you know, what are you guys going to do after Lost is? I mean, next season is the last season of Lost. You know, what, what's, what's going to be the main draw? And, and that's something that's always been on my mind. It's like, you know what? This is what God has called me to do through podcasting. 
and I know as my ministry is to share my life online in an entertaining way that brings content that's educational, encouraging, and inspirational. Yeah. And so that that's what everything we do here is all about. And there's, I've been praying and it's like, you know what? The big thing I feel that God wants me to do is encourage and inspire people to live a more balanced life. Mm. And I figure I can reach more new people with a podcast that's titled Pursuing a Balanced Life than mm. thinking that Cliff's podcast is about himself, only about himself. Or somebody said, My Crazy Life sounds like it might even be a, uh, a show about a comedy show. Or, or it, it just the name didn't describe the content. Yeah, sure. So I did that, and uh, some, some radical things have changed. For example, um, you know, when I first started, now I, I started, like I said, pursuing this balanced life thing. I've been trying this for about a year and a half, two years now. Mm-hmm. And something changed uh, back on May 1st. It, it's just like I, I woke up. Cool. I, it, it was like all of a sudden, you know, have you ever seen um, or maybe you even know somebody personally, but I, I remember watching Grey's Anatomy and there's uh, back in the first season, uh, the main character, her mom was suffering from Alzheimer's, you know, and she's just walking around in a haze. But every now and then they had these days where she would have a lucid day. And a lucid day is where all of a sudden you come out of the fog and you think you see you see the world for what it is. You it, you all of, a, all of a sudden you understand things that you haven't been understanding all along. So I had like this lucid moment and and uh, I decided, you know what, I'm not just going to try to drop some pounds. I'm not going to just try to count calories, but I'm actually changing my lifestyle the, yeah. effective immediately. And today is the 19th day of this month. I've walked a minimum of 3.5 miles every day. Cool. Most days I've walked between five and eight miles. Awesome. And um, it has been amazing. And I've lost nine pounds in the last 19 days. That's awesome. So anyway. Cool. Yeah. Uh, did I tell you that one Friday when I, I got over, when I first got over the, my first sickness that everyone thought was the swine flu, I went out walking. I was like, I'm so excited. I'm going to go walking. And so I go walk and I was just like, I'm going to listen to a full hour podcast and then I'll turn around and listen to another one coming back. So I, I think it was basically like, I think I walked down maybe two and a half, three miles one way and turned around. By the time I got back to my house, I had these massive blisters on yep. my feet. Like it hurt so bad just to take a step. <clears throat> and I was like, stupid, stupid, stupid. Why didn't I wear two socks? You know, because it's been a while since I was like walking that long. Yeah. But I just enjoyed being outside and I enjoyed being in the nature. You know, there's no winter. It's not winter anymore. And it was just a lot of fun to go out. But I was just like, oh, my gosh, that hurts so bad. <laughs> yeah. You, you, I encourage anybody out there that's looking to start. You usually start off with something like as easy as maybe, you know, a total of one mile and then yeah, and then move exactly. a week later. Try to get into two miles if yeah. that's what you're doing. It was so funny because I, I, it was an hour down the road and I realized I looked back. I was like, OK, time to turn around. I turn around. I've been walking downhill for oh, three miles. That stinks. And I was like. Here we go. <laughs> Bring it on, gravity. <laughs> nice. All right, let's talk about the church. You want to talk about the church? Yeah, let's talk about the church. So I, going back to something that you said about about Gary. Now, you and I talked in an old episode of what used to be called the My Crazy Life podcast at lunch one day. I, I think we talked about your thoughts about pastors moving from church to church and stuff like that. Now, from where, where I'm from, you know, my on my side of the, the railroad, um, I guess if you want to call it of the Christian faith, uh, I'm used to churches where the pastor is like, you know, almost on a, 
I, I, I see two extremes here. I see the extreme where you have pastors are going to move around no matter what. Uh-huh. And then I see the pastors that don't move ever that never move. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? I, I, I don't know which one I like better. Um, mm. and I don't know if I, if I actually need really, I don't think that anybody needs to be determining anything <laughs> based upon whether or not I like it, but Lord, what should your church do as far as moving pastors around? Well, let's ask Cliff. Yeah. As <laughs> <laughs> I did see what he thinks, but here, my thoughts on it. What are my thoughts on it? I, you know, I'm used to seeing a church that has a pastor. And, and in my mind, uh, I think in, a lot of this has to do with the way that I think about church. Mm. And I think about church as a family, yeah. you know, and, 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 and when you think about family, you know, there are times when families don't split up, but they, they multiply out, you know? And yeah, so sure. therefore uh, it, it's not uncommon to think that when my children are 18, that they might go out and venture out into life on their own We'll still be family. We'll still be connected, mm-hmm. but they may go somewhere else and right. and have a life separate from mine. Exactly, yeah. that's natural. However, um, there are some relationships in family that are permanent and and that are forever and and well, sure. and those connections. And so, I don't know. I I I used to be opposed to this idea of pastors just you know what how often does the methodist church is it every four years every eight years there is no set number okay i mean uh i know some pastors like gary was there for 11 years before they moved him okay and that's pretty long yeah you know i think on average it's probably nowadays i think average is like five to six years Mm -hmm. you're gonna get some that are one they're gonna get some that are 12 See that my concern about these these ones that are one or 12 they're or i'm sorry one or uh you know, one or one two to or three, three. one yeah, to four. Yeah. yeah. It's like, first of all, how, how, I mean, what's the purpose of the pastor? You know, what does that guy do? What's his position? Yeah. And, and, and how do you lead people when you haven't established trust with them? And not to mention the fact that every church has within itself an organization of people mm-hmm. that have, that, that are, can we just say screwed up people? Because aren't we all kind of screwed up in some ways? Oh, yeah. So so <laughs> you got a bunch of screwed up people. You, do we all not have personal agendas? I think so, that a lot of people do. Yes. Yeah. And, and I mean, I have personal agendas. I mean, we all have. Well, of course. We uh, all have things we want I mean, to see happen. Right. It all depends on what you mean by agenda. Yeah. But I mean. You can we, have a selfless agenda. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, keep going. <laughs> but, 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 we, but we all do have some ideas of how sure. we think things should be run. Right. And so it. You bring a pastor in, there there is a conflict stage. Oh sure. You know, there's there's going to be well, getting to know you. Oh, it's exciting at first, and all of a sudden you find out that he's got a wart on the inside of his nose, yeah. and you don't like that. Or he's a Democrat. Oh, or <gasps> you know, or 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 you know, just all these exactly. things. Or he eats with his fork on his left side instead of his right. Come on. Yeah. But but yeah, and, that, and that's why you heard, or at least I heard all the time in seminary, your first year as a Methodist pastor, don't change anything. And see, I don't like Leave that. Leave it all the same. But but here's the thing. If you had a pastor that was there for 11 years, uh-huh. you get a lot of people that are used to a lot of things. And I, that actually kind of makes sense to say, I'm not here to change things. I really am not. I'm here to be able to help you worship God. So let's look at the stuff that's gone before. And if that's a great idea. Let's continue to do that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, why does, you know, and there are some pastors that say, nope, 
I only want contemporary music. We're changing everything the first month, and I'm just like yeah, that would that would that would be you're stupid. Just, you're not the smartest guy in the block. That that would just be stupid. <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, but I actually know a pastor here in Northern Kentucky who actually attempted to do that within the first year, like saying we're going contemporary, and it was not a contemporary kind of a service, and it there was a, it was a good there was a good year and a half of transition there where there are lots of people that were just said screw you i'm leaving but he brought a bunch of new other new people in and see so, and here here's my concern with that okay i totally agree with the new pastor who has his heart set on what he feels god calling him to do and lead as a pastor right sure but don't go do that to an existing church that is right. is functioning in another way that that right. doesn't buy into it don't cause a split or an exodus of the people who are committed to to right. that just because you came in and you rubbed them the wrong way and, and and I mean that in a very healthy <laughs> kind of way. <laughs> oh, that didn't come out right. Your your face is really red. Can you see that on camera yeah. right now? <laughs> so anyway, no, um, but 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 there's advantages and disadvantages. I completely agree with you. I think that you know I am definitely in the in the boat that says ministers need to be there long enough to d- truly develop relationships with people. And I don't think relation hardcore family like relationships are not going to form within a two or three year per- time I, period. I think it takes about and, at least three to four years. And if you're wanting to, to build community, which is like a larger form of relationships, I think that you need to be able to tell that community I'm here for the long haul. That's exactly I'm, how I I'm feel. I'm here yes. to wrestle with the same things you're wrestling with. I'm here living life right beside you. Let's let's actually live life together and do this thing called the kingdom within the world we live in. If and I, I and and so and so I, you know we're we're not disagreeing at all. We're completely oh, yeah. agreeing on this one. And uh, and so I think that. But the great thing is I do think the Methodist Church here in the states is realizing that they really are pushing for longer and longer. Uh, appointments, which is great. I mean, they're they're realizing, wow, we've done a lot of just justice to a lot of churches. Now there are those churches that Jesus wouldn't be good enough for them, and as soon as the guy or the lady gets there, they're like, we don't like them, get them out of here. And so the district superintendent has to work with that church to be able to say, okay, well, you don't want, we at least keep them here for a year because we're not just going to move them in the middle of the year. And since we're a connectional church, just like the Roman Catholic Church or whatever, I mean, we're not not theology wise, but we're connectional. We're all connected. If a a large pastor, or if a large church pastor, a large pastor, a large, if a large big church, old guy comes on in here, <laughs> if a large church pastor passes away, so let's say she passed away, she died. Well, that there's a need there. We there's a need for a minister there. So we're going to take this minister from this church. Well, that opens up that church, and you got to move this minister. So there's a huge domino effect. And sometimes it's not necessarily the fault of the of the conference or the bishop or the or the DSs that are saying, Hey, we're moving you just to move you. That's not the case. In a lot of cases, it's, it's so-and-so passed away. <laughs> so we need to fill the void here. And that and, causes huge domino effect. And sometimes in the domino effect, that three, two year stuff is in the middle of that. Yeah. And, and so, so my question about that is, you know, where on earth are the lay leaders in that church where the pastor passed away? You know, what was that pastor doing to train and teach and equip somebody to come up under them? And then, of course, that's all from the mindset 
of the type of church that I'm a part of. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There, and, and yes, you do have leaders, and they do kick in. They do. But, but they, no, they I'm talking there. about I'm talking about somebody who steps in and in, and they become the head pastor, right? Instead of just an interim. Exactly. Yeah, I'm talking about somebody who yeah. who has risen up from the ranks, you know, and and has right. worked alongside and felt and, the calling and, and, and then, has been and then you get mentored. Into the, exactly. And then you get into the fact of and the Methodist Church says, hey, to be clergy, you have to have seminary education. This kinds of stuff. Now, it's not true of local pastors. Um, they don't have to have a seminary education, but they do have to go to like a six weeks kind of school thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, I mean, what are the local pastors or the pastors in the local churches actually saying? Are they encouraging people to become local pastors? So if that happens. Yeah. But the problem is, is we're losing professional clergy to death and they didn't do a good job of actually saying, hey, teenager, have you ever thought about being a minister? is one of the ways and while you're looking at being a doctor and a lawyer and th- no one's ever suggested that to anyone. <laughs> and so there's this just massive, massive void right now. Yeah. Well, the Catholic uh, churches are young, having the same problem with, with their the priests. Clergy. Well, sure. You know, they're having the same exact problem. They ha- have nobody going into the priesthood because nobody exactly. talks about this stuff and, yeah. and stuff. So, yeah. anyway. you know, and the, yeah. of course the, you know, if I'm, I'm sitting there and if I'm in a church, I, I just can't imagine the the idea that you know knowing for a fact that my pastor is going to be moving somewhere in the not too distant future and when i say you know if 11 years is a long time if 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 my head pastor is not in this and is not committed to this and and doesn't see this as a lifelong pursuit yeah then my question is like okay well if that's if that's the level of dedication and commitment you have well, mine obviously doesn't need to be as strong as yours, right. you know, or, right. or sure, you want to try this, but I totally disagree with you. And you know what? You get to bail out in four more years, right? right you know, right. And, and I'm stuck with, you know, being a lay leader in this church. And, and so mm-hmm. therefore I may choose not to be a lay leader. And so I, I'm, you know, I just wonder about that method. But at the same time, um, I'm also, I've also been a part of churches where, and I've, and I have, um, my parents go to a church where the pastor of the church is the church. I mean, it, it's not really, uh, I'm just going to make up some hypothetical names. Uh, it, it's, it's not first Baptist church of Northern Kentucky. You know, right, yeah, yeah. It, it is the pastor Billy G Williams church, you know, oh, of yeah. Northern Kentucky. Yeah. You know, pastor full, Billy G full, full gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it cracked me up when we were in Dallas. Uh, I think it was like first Baptist in Dallas. I mean, so you can just imagine this is first Baptist in Dallas. Okay. It's probably going to be this massive mega church, but, Here's this big, huge poster for the Baptist church. Half of the poster was the photo of the senior pastor. Mm-hmm. It's it's so it's so single person ego. Not I'm not not saying egocentric, but person centric. Person centric for the pastor. Yeah, and and that is an issue too. I mean, the great thing about the Methodist church is, hey, when you're when that pastor moves, guess what? You are reminded you are the church. It's not some senior pastor's church. Yeah, you are the church. We are all part of this United Methodist Church. We're all connected. I mean, there's some great things, and rarely do you ever see a split in the United Methodist Church because when people don't like that pastor, they just wait them out. And see, I hate that idea. That, oh. I, I think that sounds ridiculous to oh, me. No, I understand, but if it, I hate the if I hate the pastor, oh well, I'll tell you what, I'm keeping my seat because I am second pew piano side. <laughs> and you know what? Piano I am side. not giving that up and I am gonna sit here and you know what? In fact, I'm gonna make that pastor's life so miserable that maybe we can speed it up to get the next guy in here quicker. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I'm saying that just is so ridiculous to me. I, I do. I, I don't disagree with you. I mean, that's very unhealthy Christians in my book. I mean, I'm right there with you. But I would much rather them willing to be a part of that local church and and wrestle with the frustrations that they have than just saying screw all of you. I'm going to start my own church. That causes a lot more unhealthy relationships, in my opinion, mm-hmm. than just one person being mad and frustrated in that one setting. Of course, they're both. I think they're both bad. <laughs> I, I, I think there's yeah. a lot of unhealthiness going on in both cases, but at least they're still a part of a community, and hopefully that community can still love them and care for them. Yeah. And then you know, I've I've been a part of enough churches. I've been around enough, long enough now, that I've actually seen those really frustrating people actually come around. But it was only after other people were challenged to say, hey, you know what? The reason she's so grumpy is because she lost her kids when they were teenagers in a car accident. And she's just, she just has no hope right now. Like when's the last time you actually offered her hope or, you know, a, a dinner with her or, you know, loved on her a little bit instead of all you hear is this griping, moaning lady, you know, that's always mad about everything, that's not happy with everything. And when's the last time you actually took a look and said, wait a second, in her shoes, I could, I can, I could see that. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people are not willing to do that. And so I think that the church has got to be able to be healthy enough to see that mm-hmm. and say, whoa, 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 we need to love on that person. And, for it not to be, hey, pastor, you need to go love on that person. <laughs> right. There's a big difference between those two. Yeah, but it, here's here's my but, thought. But is, the sad thing is, is I think the majority of the churches, if and I think I don't know, if, I don't, I don't know how it happened. I don't know how we got there, but it truly is pastor centric in a lot of churches. Yeah. Here, my, going back to that thing is like, okay, so you got somebody. If 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 you know that, okay, everybody in the church is kind of upset with this this pastor guy. And, and so what, the, you know, if, if he can be, if he can, if people can complain to the district superintendent or whatever those people are called, um, and, and all of a sudden, you know, that this person's going to be gone at, at probably closer to like within the next 12 months, no more than 24 months. There's just no way he's going to last that long. Well, then what that can do is that can actually foster the, the apathy or the, you know, uh, avoiding the conflict, you know, it's just kind of, kind of just being passive aggressive. Whereas it's like, okay, well, this guy's here and he's our pastor. We either need to fire him or we need to come find some common ground and we need to work out our differences. So that that's that's kind of where my thought is on it. Yeah. yeah. But at the same oh, yeah. time, I, I trust me, I know the I know the the big pastor churches where where it's all centered around the one guy. And and I'll tell you, the, the healthiest thing that I can think of is that um, a church, you know, what you get a get a teaching team. You know, get yeah, a teaching yeah. team. What is the, and, and I guess it depends on how you de- define what is the head pastor? Who is the guy? What does he do? What, what's his purpose? Yeah, of course. Of course. And, and, and so I think that that needs to be defined, but I tell you what, the and, most and successful it, churches, uh, you know, I love my church. Now my church, Chad is our head pastor, but we have Tony who preaches at least once a month, if not sometimes twice. And, uh, it, you know, it, it's kind of cool. And, and, and it's like, at first it's like, well, I really like Chad's preaching style. And that's kind of like what, one of the things that helped entice me to come here. Cause I right. really liked how I connect. And then all of a sudden, well, gosh, Tony's great too. You yeah. know, and it's like, this is cool. <laughs> and, and you know what, if they brought in a third guy, 
you know and as as we grow it's like you you're just swapping out this thing and it's the, and all of a sudden that one person every single week that you're looking at isn't the same guy right and i loved one of the questions that was brought up in our chat room it just and i can't worry i don't know where it's at now but it just basically just said um well what's the role of professional staff of the church and that's a that is an amazing question that the churches i think need to ask themselves and i think christians in general need to ask themselves what is my role? But if your role as as professional clergy or professional staff of the church is to do all the work, stop. Please, I'm begging you. Quit. Please Get yourself stop. a job something, doing something else. Your job is to, is to encourage and empower the church to be the church, in mm-hmm. my opinion. So like I tell people all the time, my, my role as a pastor, I'm putting quote marks on my fingers, as a pastor is to basically work myself out of a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's my that's my passion. I want to see the church be the church, not expecting a pastor or some professional staff to do that. And I and there's a lot of people that are my age that are saying that to pastors saying right now, "Hey, if if we really are supposed to be what we're supposed to be, then there then you should be finding your own job. There is no need for a professional clergy. You can still be the pastor of a church and and be a tent maker." You know what I'm saying? It's like there, there are a lot of people that are out there that are saying those kinds of things that are younger. Uh, well, I'm seeing it in older as well, but not as many in older. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's it's a it's a challenge. I think it's a real true challenge. And I don't know if you've read. Um, I don't know if you if you read. I don't think you do. I need, I need to give you a website. Um, Tony Jones, who's a big emergent guy, he wrote up on his blog post about how we need to do away with ordination. And of course, he's like, you know, ruffling a lot of feathers in the midst of that. But it was it's a really good article to basically say, wait a second. Why do you believe that? Right. And I'm cool with you believing that I'm a part of a denomination that does do ordination and does have ordination. I think more people need to be ordained. But uh, but he but let's but he he does. You know, they're very much of the uh, deconstructionism kind of people, the Mm -hmm. emergent churches. And he really does go back and say, well, where'd this come from? Where'd this ordination understanding come from? Did it come from the Bible? Is it something we've added to it that that's our interpretation of the Bible or something else like that? Anyway, he does a, he does a good one on his, uh, his blog on belief.net, I think. It's cool. It is. I'll have to find it. Professor time. Allen wrote, the big question is, who rules the church? R-U-L-E-S. Who rules the church? Or R-U-L-Z. Yeah, who rules? All right, so (laughs) is it the pastor, the denomination, the congregation? There are a variety of ways to organize churches and all have strengths and weaknesses, and that's true. And, of course, that's why, you know, DG's on one side of the railroad tracks and I'm on a different side of the railroad tracks, and and we're both moving forward. And here's here's the thing. You know, we can say all we want about these different churches and what we feel about them. But it all comes, I guess when it's all said and done, it comes down to every individual. You know, sure. it, it's the individual in the church. Are you going to let the politics of your church get you down? Right. Are you going to let the fact that your church does something a certain way get you down? And and, and 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 if anything, is all of your hope and attention and your focus on your relationship with God, is it all dependent upon the guy who stands up in front of the congregation mm-hmm. to preach the word? Mm-hmm. Or is it, you know, or are, 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 are you codependent? on that individual for your spiritual guidance. Yeah. And yeah. those are not healthy things either. I mean, so this is a side note on talking about that topic. I had a senior pastor that, that, that was phone? your phone. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I thought I had put it on mute. I'm sorry. It's all right. Um, Nobody heard I it had, other than us. I had a senior pastor in the past that <clears throat> was, um, was very 
very adamant about his or her um, political beliefs. And I have major, major issues with that because I still think there are some people in the congregation that cannot tell the difference between when you are speaking the word of God and then when you're speaking as a, as a person. Okay. And I think that some people say, oh my gosh, we all have to be Republicans because the pastors are Republican, you know, or all have to be Democrats. Yeah, because of- I, I don't buy that. <clears throat> you, you're you, now you're upset. Not now. I don't. I don't believe that they should be doing it behind the pulpit and in an official teaching position. I, but I don't think they should you be doing think- it in their cars with other people either. Because ah, I think see, there's I- a lot of people that have so much respect for them. Yeah, they- that that would completely influence who they are. An unhealthy respect for them. Yeah, but I'm I'm not saying it's a healthy respect. There's a lot of unhealthiness that are going on because of what we were just talking about. That if the pastor is completely driven by this one individual, yeah, if the church um, is completely driven, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and 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 sadly, I think there's a even if you don't think that that pastor is completely driving it, I, I guarantee you there is a group of people that is being driven by this one individual, um, or this individual's family. And so I, I have issues with that, yeah. big time issues See, with that. You and I talked about that once. I don't think it was here in this podcast, but you and I definitely talked about that at lunch once, and I completely disagree with that. I, I, if a pastor has personal belief, now, first of all, I, I'm not the type of person who is very politically minded. Yeah, 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 so yeah. for me, it, it's not a big deal. I used to be a little <laughs> bit more than I am now, but um, yeah, I, as far as I'm concerned, I'm, I'm a member of the kingdom of God, and and, and and I vote for whatever you know I feel is is right in my heart, and most of the time it happens to be Republican. But yeah. you know, and and, yeah. and 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 sometimes it's you know straight ticket. So I mean, it is what it is. But but the thing is, there there are times when it's like you know, if, well, whoa, I've seen something here. It's like I don't like that. Right, sure, you know, sure. and if I'm the head pastor and somebody asks me, you know, hey, you know, what do you think about that news story? It's like, eh, I'm sorry, I'm on the official position in the church, and I don't think it'd be appropriate for me to share. That. Eh, we're in the car. Tell, tell me what's on your heart. I, that helps me understand who the what the heart and mind of the pastor of this friend of mine is, and right. and and how does he critically think about this, and and why does he feel that way? You know, if 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 my head pastor was you know, very big into politics. I'd, I'd like to know that he's very interested in politics and I'd like mm-hmm. to understand why he's very interested in politics. Yeah, I disagree. And, I, and I'd like to know... There needs to be a separation between church and state. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> because let's, then, you know, let's say that your really good friend, uh, you know, becomes Mormon and then they say, well, we have to pray well, a specific way in, in Well, in then if, and, if, my, if, if that pastor friend of mine was Mormon, then I would leave that church. Because I'm not Mormon, right? Yeah, right. And yeah, so, sure. therefore, I would not seek, you know, sit under his spiritual so, but, guidance, right? But, but the other thing is, is okay. Well, why can't someone also say the same thing about them being a Democrat or Republican? Well, I'm leaving that church because no, they're not I would, Republican. If, if okay, let's let's do that. So, if if I find out that my head pastor is Democrat. And, and and not to mention that, first of all, just because somebody's Democrat doesn't mean they believe one thing or another about any one oh, issue. Sure, so sure. For, let's, let, let's, let's forget about Republican. Let's forget about Democrat. But let me just say, let me just say that I find out that my pastor, um, uh, not only does he faithfully give to, his, you know, 10 percent of the tithe to the church, right. but, he, but he also personally gives money to any teenager that he meets that's pregnant that wants an abortion so that their mom can't find out and that he's passionate about Mm pro-choice. I'm leaving that church. Mm -hmm. 
And I'd like to know that he feels that way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, sure. I because my daughter that. might go to that church. Well, obviously she does because it's my church. <laughs> yeah, it's say, you see what I'm saying? And if my daughter gets pregnant and she goes to him and he gives her money, I'd like to know what his feelings are on yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to know. Well, I want to know. That's a specific I issue. Know that's not necessarily but a it, political. It, yeah. But I don't call. I, I mean, honestly, that's and of course, that's 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 a gray area. Of saying, well, no, that is political. That's oh, wait funny. a second, that's religious. Oh, wait a second, that's political. That's really, you know. Jonathan says, if you vote, you're part of the government. And yeah. So, <laughs> DG doesn't have that. You don't have to. You can't hold that one over DG. <laughs> we we done had that discussion. <laughs> yeah, God, I'm that, gonna be tar and feathered, but I don't care. Yeah. It'll be a warm, warm tar. <laughs> a warm, warm. It's gonna be flesh eating tar. Yeah, okay, I right, probably a little bit hotter than warm. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you and I can disagree about something, and it and it really doesn't affect our our relationship oh, and no. and our view of each other's Christianity. Well, sure, of course not. And if anything, that's what this podcast is about. It's it's where we can come and generally speak about the church. And folks, hey, we want to hear from you. Uh, we don't have any voicemails to play. Oh, actually, wait a second. We got oh, a voicemail. Yeah, we do have voicemail. We have a voicemail. But before we go to Jeff Gentry, who's going to um, uh, give some feedback on something we talked about a long time ago, spiritual warfare, um, we want to let you know we want to hear your voice in this podcast. And there are two ways that you can do that. Actually, three ways. One, if you have unlimited long distance on your cell phone plan, just go ahead and dial directly 859-795-4067. Again, that's 859-795-4067. Or if you don't have unlimited long long distance and you want to call us toll free, you can now do that at 1-800-757-1158. And so with that, that's exactly what Jeff Gentry did. And he left us a voicemail right here. Hey, Cliff and DG, this is Jeff Gentry, X-Force 11, calling in for About the Church. And just wanted to add a little uh, to the discussion about spiritual warfare. And um, I have done some spiritual warfare in the past um, through prayer during college um, where someone was either possessed or close to it uh, uh, with a demon and then so I spent time in prayer and uh, spent a lot of time in prayer for that person and for people speaking to that person at the time and um, with traveling overseas to different countries I've uh, noticed when I've gone into uh, certain countries, I've noticed, or certain areas of a country, I've noticed a, a heaviness and a, uh, a depth there of the, just a feeling of, uh, you know, just being off or, or, you know, something's wrong there. And so spent time in prayer and, and working with the people there. And so I think it's a, a very real thing for our world. And but I think there are certain people who are uh, more apt to feel that and sense it, um, whether it's the Lord at work or whether it's uh, Satan and the demons at work. I think there's people who are just a little more sensitive to that and more in tune to that. And that's I, I think that's a spiritual gift and a calling to be in prayer and to be a, a prayer warrior and a, um, you know, a spiritual warrior in that fact. So... Just wanted to add that to the discussion, and uh, thank you guys for what you do there, and uh, good talking to you. Bye. 
Jeff, thank you thank very you, much Jeff. for sharing your experience there. Um, you know, I, I remember doing ministry many years ago that that I remember hanging out in a certain area of town and and doing ministry with some folks and and there's definitely some spiritual warfare that I've I've experienced myself. Um, you know, in in the area of people who are held in bondage to addictions mm-hmm. and and several mm-hmm. other things. And so absolutely it is it is I think spiritual war- warfare uh, is a very real thing that yeah, you know the sure. the Bible clearly says you know we're not uh, battling against flesh and blood blood but uh, against powers of darkness and this you know and all this other th- stuff in Ephesians and so I definitely agree with you there and, and it says and, even the nations of this world and I mean, the nations like, of this world know, exactly like, there's a lot of battling kinds of stuff going on yeah and and I I agree with you too I mean I um I like I said we've mentioned this before in the I've never. I've never come in contact with what I think would be uh, a possession. Um, Not like I've seen on television, I, uh, but I have. Yeah, I've yeah. seen somebody who whose mind is definitely being opp- oppression. Oh yeah, yeah. there's. I, yeah. I think there's a difference between oppressed and mm-hmm. and and possessed. Yeah, and Tiffany, my wife, I, she might have that that you know that gift that you were talking about. I mean, she can sense. She can just sense when someone is evil. Yeah, I mean, I she can, or or is being or so messed or up, influenced by right, evil. right, exactly. She can just say that is a bad person right there. And I mean, well, we'll be on a subway, and she'll say that's a bad person. Yeah, and I'm just like la la la, <laughs> and I'm walking up to the bad Dude, person, shaking his hand, giving him here. Yeah, I'm like shaking the dude's hand, giving him a hug, saying, "Hey, man, you know." <laughs> And so it's it's so funny. It's Meanwhile, just like, his eyes have just turned red and have like a yellow glow in the middle. Oh, the bad guy or me? The, ba- the bad <laughs> guy. Good. I was like, what? What's going on with me? Yeah. <laughs> but I just, you know, and she just has this really amazing discernment. I mean, she really does. It's almost like, you know, like when David did the whole Bathsheba thing and then he he, he tried to cover his tracks by killing off Bathsheba's husband. Uh-huh. And then he went and told um, the uh, the guy who he told to kill, basically to send uh, Uriah uh, out to the front lines to get killed. And David thought, Oh yes, I covered all my bases. This is awesome. You know, I, I've told, I told that captain it's okay. People die in war. It's all right. It's going to be just fine. And I killed off the guy. I, my mistake of this baby in Bathsheba right now is, is solved. And then here comes, uh, I think it's Nathan, you know, here comes a prophet of God that says, no, that's not cool. Let me tell you a story. Oh yeah, and by the way, you're the bad guy in it. Yeah. You know, and it's like out of nowhere, he didn't know it. David didn't tell him. No one ever told David what was going on. It was God that told Nathan, like, you need to go give him, you know, tell him what he did displeased me, which would be like torturous for me if I knew the creator of the universe was displeased with me. Like, well, DG, hello. Oh Can I gosh. tell you there are some things that you might do on a daily basis that. Maybe this. No, 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 no. You don't think I, so? No, I don't think that I impregnated some other guy's wife and then had him intentionally killed as well as a few other guys who were actually thinking they were. No, I think that this level of displease of displeasure was pretty freaking large. Yeah, I, I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. I'm not talking about me Though, you know, looking at a, a girl in a tank top as she's walking past. I'm talking like, yes, this is not, this is the guy that is supposedly after God's own heart yeah. that did these things. I mean, but anyway, the cool thing well, was, is I think Nathan had that, yes. that discernment aspect yes. and, and could walk up to his king and say, I'm speaking by, on behalf of God here. 
you are completely wrong. Yeah. And of course, um, that baby died. Yeah. Uh, and then the next baby, God still said he loved him, uh, still loved David, which shows amazing grace. Uh, yeah. Part of God. Uh, and then, and of course the next sin, I mean the next sin, the next baby was Solomon. I mean that, which is going to be the next King after David. So it was just, God, just, you know, it's, it's, and Tiffany has that ability, but I'm sitting here thinking, what about the people like me that are willing to walk into, like, I don't feel that, that I don't have that kind of warning thing going off. Yeah. I have the, Hey, I'm just going to, I'm going, I'm going hardcore into this battle. Well, go, go boldly with the Lord. I yeah, mean, and so it's, it's like, like, but it's just so funny. Greater that, is he that's within me than is he that's in the world. So. Right. And so, but the cool thing is, is like, you know, Tiffany has this discernment aspect, but I have the opposite. And so the cool thing is Tiffany's like, that guy's bad. And I'm like, okay, thanks. I'm going to go love well, on him. Well, you know? <laughs> yeah, well the th- here's, here's the deal. So, so, uh, the, the big question here is, you know, is that person bad? And the person with discernment can know that, that it's like, it, I, I think that, Deep down, people aren't good or bad. I, I mean, I th- well, I think we're all born depraved. You yeah, know, sure, you, sure. You believe that's that's Wesleyan theology, right? Yeah, sure. So we're all we're all born depraved, but but I do believe that the gift of discernment is a great gift because that's where you know, it's like you you sense that and you pray for that person and and that prayer can be powerful. Does that make sense? Sure, sure. Yeah. All right, so we have a voicemail. I think I think Jonathan actually um, called in. Just called in. Just called in. I'd so call here we go. I'm Jonathan. I'm in Middle Tennessee, and I'm listening to and watching about the church right now live. I just hit the mute button and called. You keep saying my church, my church, and 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 asking questions about should it really matter what's going on with my church or this or that sort of thing. But there is a question of when is it changes or things that are annoying you with your church is really prompting to get you to leave that church, to go find a different church, to find a different community. And I think that's a flip side of the discussion that keeps coming up in my head every once in a while while watching on Tuesday mornings and thought it'd be a good question. When is it that the stuff that's going on in your life with your church is really prompting that you really need to go find a different church? Excellent question. Yeah. Excellent question. And and, and the, the flip side is the people who are jumping from church to church on a regular basis. And Richard Emblem sent in an article about that that uh, hopefully I get a chance to read one day. Uh, but anyway, thank you for the question. And in fact, um, I've went through this process. Now, I don't change t- churches very often. Ste- Stephanie and I have left two churches in our life. Um, and both of them were huge decisions. Huge decisions. It One, was not lightly. It was not lightly. It wasn't like, oh, he's spitting the the baptismal font. It I'm was, leaving. It was not lightly. <laughs> it, it, in both situations, they were. I mean, it, it, it was like one was a crisis of faith moment. I mean, it was it was like I I cannot in good conscience con, in good conscience continue to support what the mission what the vision of this church is. It is so clearly different than what God right. has clearly laid on my heart sure, as sure. to how I am going, how God wants me to pursue the faith and expand the kingdom of God. Right. Now, it's not that that church 
is fundamentally wrong or that I think that they're evil or they're leading people down the wrong path because that is not the case. Mm -hmm. But it was so fundamentally different than what got it. For example, it was a very, matter of fact, um, if it'd be very difficult to do this, but if you wanted to, you could go into the about the church feed. If you could find episodes 14 through 18, I did a, a five part series on uh, why I hate the church. Right, right. And way and early on. Way, way early on. And basically what I what I talked about there is the fact that, you know, here's this traditional church and um they do the whole program based design and everything like that and the way they reach the pe- people and their their multiple hundreds of ministries that all compete for the attention of everybody and so that everybody's overcommitted and all this stuff. Right, stuff. Sure. And God clearly calling me to this, what would what it was at the time, a cell-based church mentality or right. small group focused where people, um, you know, commit to each other, commit to a small community of people mm-hmm. and living life mm-hmm. together. Sure. And and that the, the church overall is just a gathering of all those smaller groups, right. much like what you see in Acts 20. 2020 and and uh, and all the other um, scriptures in the book of Acts where it says and they met in each other's homes and went right. from house to house and, and the all waters other- and and uh, what's your church um, the watermark the watermark yeah yeah it's very similar to those kinds of things exactly so so basically the so the, God clearly called me to a different style of ministry now the the church that Stephanie and I recently just left or well recently it's been three years maybe four now. Uh, but what we, the church that we left, it's still very successful church and it's still growing and it's, and it's doing great things, but it's doing it in a completely different way that, that I could not advance with what I, I, there's no way I would get the blessing of doing and saying and sharing the things that God's laying on my heart without me being contradictory to what they're teaching in their, in their curriculum, in their, in their sermons and in their, in their, their leadership sessions. Yeah. And so that was big enough for me. And the, and the first one was a, it was just a, it was a fold down, you know, knock down, blow out fight church split. And it Mm -hmm. was, it was very, very sad. And it was, and it was actually very similar. It was, it was a change of vision and, and yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, I think that one of the things that I would suggest is, to, if you could actually take a step back and to be able to say, <clears throat> am I leaving this church because I can't stand them or that I hate something about that? Or am, 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 are my passions and, and what excites me different? Right. Does that, and I, I don't know if that makes sense or not. I, I, no, it's, no, no, it's that makes perfect sense. If you're leaving a church because you're mad or upset, then I, then that's that's one thing. But if you're leaving a church because you're excited about following God in a different direction than what that church is going, mm-hmm. I think that would be a lot more healthy uh, way of of saying, hey, this is something that I'm excited. About. This is something that God's passionately putting on my heart. And I think and that's what I heard from those. Yes. From what you're talking about. That's, yes. what, I, that's what I heard. Yes. I was not. I can't stand so-and-so because their kids beat up my kids and I can't stand. So it's, well, so I'm out of here. Well, there were some things you know. that I couldn't stand. And, but the thing is I didn't just, I didn't just leave and run. Yeah. I, I, I talked to the leadership of the church and I said, listen, exactly. you know, 
I'm, you know, we teach financial peace university in this church and that, that curriculum and that is 100% endorsed by this church on a consistent basis talks about living debt free and, and not buying things that you can't afford and that you don't go into debt and stuff like that. And here we're talking about a $5 million building fund campaign where we're only sent, where you want to send a hundred thousand dollars to Haiti, you know, and you're going to, you're going to spend $980,000 for an upgraded sound system in the auditorium where you're already too loud for my taste, (laughs) you know, and, and, and the other $4 million to build a building that, that continues to promote the idea of everybody come to this campus because we're too busy here to right. go out and do things in the community. Yeah. And, and even if we fundamentally do that, that that's fine. I mean, that's your, if that's where you want to spend your money, sure. but you're not spending your money. Yeah. What you're doing is you're borrowing money. You wanted to borrow $4 million to build now because you are too impatient to do it until you have the money. Yeah. And, and I very vocally spoke to my pastor and the leadership of the church and, and begged them. And it's like, but Cliff, you know, you, you as a, a leader in this church, we need to know how much are you committing because we want to take that to how much are you committing right. to this campaign? Cause we want to take that as an example of f- what other people should follow. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I, I will not. Yeah. And, and that, that was the beginning Actually, it wasn't the beginning. That the, the vision was the beginning, and then this was as, okay. So, but yeah, but I did. I it, it was a fundamental thing. But you're right. God c- right. clearly was not calling me just to leave and go find something where people, where things are just more, you know, just gonna, you know, better air conditioning. Because actually, right. I, I my, my church where I'm at now, whole lot less comfortable. Right, right, right. Whole lot sure. less comfortable. Sure. I mean, I at the big, you know, first Baptist church of wherever I was, which wasn't Baptist church, but uh the, the church where I was is very comfortable. I mean, huge auditorium. They had every program you could think of. My kids had the most fun. You can imagine it was it was torture for them to leave all of that to go sit exactly. in a, in a in a cafeteria. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and and stuff like that. And and now I'm, you know, once a month I'm actually unpacking a truck on Saturday and packing it back up on Sunday, <laughs> missing out on business, you know, and all this other stuff that I do for this crazy church that yeah. meets in a high school auditorium. So it wasn't for comfort that I left. Yeah, no, no. But it was is something for a passion of what God was calling me to do in ministry. Right. And I think that's and, I, and but if you do have problems with those things, I think that's the I mean, follow the, I think the scripture is very clear. Go talk, go talk to them. If that doesn't work, then take someone with you to go talk to them. I mean, don't just gripe and moan about it. Actually go develop a relationship with those people and find out why is it this way and maybe this, you know. And see if you can't work it out. Exactly. Who knows? You might actually say, oh, I didn't realize that's the reason we did that. That's a great idea. And and you may you may find that it's a Paul, is it a Paul and Barnabas kind of moment where yeah. you, you just decide to depart ways, you know, yeah. and, and it may happen. Anyway, folks, thank you for listening. We want to hear your thoughts and comments. Like I said, uh, if you want to dial uh, directly, 859-795-4067. If you do need to call us toll-free, feel free to do so on my dime at 800-757-1158. And, of course, you can uh, email audio files to feedback at gspn.tv. Cool. You can follow DG on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash argon 52 a-r-g-o-n 52 yep you can listen to my other podcast praxis podcast p-r-a-x-i-s podcast.com 
Or you can listen to The Guys Podcast if you want to. <laughs> and what's the address for that one? It's just theguyspodcast.com. Theguyspodcast.com. Yep. And of course, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash GSPN. Mm-hmm. And of course, I really, really want to invite you guys to go and check out pursuingabalancedlife.com, my personal blog and podcast, all about pursuing a balanced life. If you haven't done so already, just do this. It is so cool. Go to search.twitter.com and type in the little pound sign. Oh, yeah. And then P-A-B-L. So pound P-A-B-L. And look at that, and uh, you'll be able to figure out just how exciting pursuing a balanced life really can be. Mm-hmm. Folks, thank you for listening. And, of course, thank you to a sponsor who sent us some money uh, a couple months back saying, hey, anonymously, I just want to ask, I want to give you some money, just ask people to pray for people uh, in a church that is not your own and just lift them up in prayer. So we want to remind you to do that on a consistent basis. Pray for those churches who do things differently than you do. Yeah. And uh, thank you for that. And, of course, if you guys want to help support this content, this content's free every single week. Every week. If you want to help support this content, become a Plus member. Mm -hmm. Head over to gspn.tv slash plus. It's $10 a month, and I'm telling you, uh, people are, are responding and saying this this is life-changing sta- stuff. And if you don't believe me, there are tons of audio testimonials at gspn.tv slash plus. Just go there and, and listen to them and, and yeah. hear the voices of the people whose lives are being changed. And you can be a part of that by becoming a Plus member. Definitely. God bless you all. We'll be back next week, I think. I think so. <laughs> DG. <laughs> anyway, we'll be back soon. And we'll hope to hear from you on the voicemail. Talk to you later. God bless and bye-bye. bye-bye. You're not here next week? I'm not here next week, sorry. We'll be back in two weeks. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) At least we got it in before the end music. Do not come here next week, guys. Don't come here next week. Sorry, guys. We'll be back in two weeks. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's all right.